Great to see you all this morning. Yesterday was a bit different. Today the sun is out again and we are blessed either way, whether it rains or it's sunshine. So good to be able to be part of just looking at where we are at. Okay. Wow. How you doing? Three people, thank you. Um, maybe sometimes we just need to give a bit of faith. Good on you, Ken, giving a wave and just add a bit of faith to it and say, I may not feel as good as I want to be, but I'm going to still believe that God will uh, do something amazing today. Well, we're going to start the book of Ephesians. And I don't know for you what Ephesians means in the sense of is there a particular thought, idea, a scripture, a word that really stands out? I have a number of them. And Colossians is my favorite, one of my favourite books, as I said, a prison epistle. Ephesians is a prison, prison epistle. In other words, Paul wrote this under house arrest or in prison. And so what we, we get to glean is why he's writing and God slowed him down enough to write some of these things. But I want to encourage you that Ephesians is an absolutely book full of life. It is just oozing with life. You cannot read Ephesians and feel like, oh boy, how am I going to do this? You don't, you don't walk away. You don't come away reading the book of Ephesians and going, oh, I wonder how good God is. I wonder how big God is. I wonder if I'm really loved. You don't, you don't walk away with those questions. It is uh, definite that you know God's love and God's grace. So just really quickly, is there a particular verse or a word that stands out for you? Just to shout it out, and we can have a little bit of disorder right now, that's okay. Um, we'll have order later on, but for now we can have a little disorder. Is there anything that stands out for you when we talk about Ephesians? Is there one word, uh, something that was said? Is there anybody? Children of Children of I really opened myself up for that. And there's another one I opened myself up for as well. Yeah, put on the whole armour of God. So when you think of Ephesians, you, you go to that place. Who else? Oh, the grace. By grace that we are saved. Not works of ourselves, hey? That we can boast in. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a powerful, powerful, powerful verse. Anybody else? There's no wrong in this. What do, you, what do you get when you've, you've read Ephesians? I know here's something, oh, I forget, but I got to remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> it's okay. What we can say is this, that there's a lot in there. And for individuals and everyone differently, we get something out of Ephesians. And it was written for that. So I hope that in the next few moments, I will share. I'll, I'll just say this, that uh, the title of this series is Ascend, because this is what it's talking about, and we'll look at that later, but it's talking about God wanting to lift us and elevate us to be the rightful people, the church, the believers that He has called us to be. He's saying, I've given you everything you need. That's number one. Number two that we learn there is that He says this, that He says that you will not only be uh, able to do these things, but you won't do them or have to do them in your strength. I will help you. My Holy Spirit will be with you. So that's great comfort for us. There's another thought that, that really comes out of this and why Ascend is not my, uh, 
my choice of title, it's the best title. A friend of mine preached a series on, on Ephesians, uh, and he had that title. And I looked, and I was thinking, rise up, and, and that. And there's a lot of, lot of different words. But I want to just focus particularly today on spiritual. We're talking about spiritual blessings, but spiritual. Because what we learn in Ephesians is how spiritual we are. It's powerful. When we start to think that we see our flesh and blood, our body hurts, our flesh hurts, our body aches uh, in the cold mornings, uh, you know. And so there's these, these things that remind us that we are uh, almost entombed, but enshrouded with, with a flesh, with a body. But Ephesians is reminding us that we are spiritual people, spiritual beings with not just a, a, a mandate, or a mission, but it is a spiritual mandate. It is a spiritual mission. And it can only be accomplished by you and I partnering and co-laboring with God. I've probably just summed up all of Ephesians, haven't I, really? And we might as well go home now. No. Well, anyway, we... We may do that. I, I know that we're not going to get through what I've prepared, and that's okay. We're going to go where what God would want us to do. Uh, anybody been to Ephesus? Anybody here? I'm not sure in the next room. Uh, I haven't. Uh, I have a friend who takes tours, and they go through Ephesus. Ephesus. And so anyway, uh, what is known of Ephesus as it is. So let's have a couple of looks at this. One is that it was recognised Ephesians as primarily the first New Testament theological book in the New Testament. It is a powerful book. And some of the things I'm going to share today, I will not recap over the following weeks, just for time. So we'll have a little bit of time on this introduction and a few thoughts, and that's probably as far as we are going to go today. When you do your homework, you'll find that Ephesus was one of the most paramount places to live. It was ahead of its time in all the, how the bells and whistles. It was like a, a city-like environment with everything to offer, and I mean everything. Wealthy Romans alongside political and religious refugees, slaves, mystics who called Ephesus home as a major port city and a major trade city, it made Ephesus in a very attractive place, maybe a bit like Melbourne or some of those cities that we have. Uh, it was an attractive place for those who uh, were cosmopolitan. That crowd uh, recognised the progressive culture. And we, I don't like the word progressive, how it's been used today. But just, just to understand that it was very progressive of its time. It was ahead of itself, culture-wise. Women, women had equal rights. Woo! Well, that's pretty good. Uh, the female form was highly revered. I'm a male. I love the female form. Just saying it. It was said out. Just being honest with you. That's, that's how I'm wired. It is said that the ancient customs of Ephesus was first settled by female warriors who had come over from the seas. And hence why we have this sense of focus. It was diverse on so many levels. Politically. Religiously. It was also diverse on its worship, with many gods on offer. In fact, they believe and estimate over 50 deities were worshipped in Ephesus. Over 50. 
many beliefs existed and many challenges to social norms. It's estimated around 250, maybe to 300,000 lived in Ephesus. Can we have a look at the map just for a moment, please? You have a map and you'll see the map there. You can see the little yellow dot. You can see Europe and Africa on the little and down the bottom there. And there you go, there's Ephesus over there. So it was really central to a lot of uh, continents and places and uh, uh, you can see why it was quite popular indeed. Obviously Paul did a lot of ministry and work in this end of the world. And we'll go to the next slide. As I said, I've not been there, but this slide's quite interesting. This is a little bit of the uh, understanding of what the temple looked like. This is the temple Artemis or, or Diana. And uh, the Romans called it Diana. But this is uh, an image of the temple. And this is where it is now. <laughs> That's what's left. And so you can see how things change. Uh, there's some other things, the theatre. Uh, there's so many, the streets, the main streets, some, some of the bits to the left. It's, it's amazing. And people will say this uh, particular uh, area still holds some of the seven wonders of the world. This is amazing. There's a, a statue just there on the bottom there of Artemis or uh, uh, Diana. And uh, very interesting just what you can see on the way that she is portrayed and her image. Uh, we may go into that a little bit. Uh, central to Ephesus is the goddess Artemis, goddess which means moon or hunter, and apparently very loved and revered deeply. Uh, by the people. And uh, there was lots of myths in the town. There was a lot of black magic. And you remember, I think it's in Acts 19 where there's reference of Paul, uh, where many came and burnt their magic books and burnt, had a big bonfire. And uh, we're talking about many thousands of dollars of, of, of their stuff went up. Paul was uh, a big instigator in that. I think it's Acts chapter 19. So you get to see just what was happening here. Uh, you can see just on her chest, I won't spend too much about that, but uh, there is uh, what looks like multiple breasts, pardon me, symbolising her fertility. And there are bags of spell also identified with her fertility image. And so we won't go a lot into that. We could, and there's some other things that are around about going on that are a little bit, bit weird. It was a pagan city. And as I said, uh, we can learn why Paul went there. Paul went there. He wasn't afraid to go there. It was a city. And Paul said, I'm going to start big. I'm going to go in there and we're going to do this. Now, when I say Paul said that, I believe the Holy Spirit would have led him to do that. But we're just talking in that sense. We understand the church is around 10 years old. And so there's already had a sense of where it can just find its feet and become a prominent church uh, as it was. It was one of seven churches that are mentioned in the book of uh, Revelation. And we just go to the next slide. Uh, you'll see down there, I've got there on the bottom in Revelation 2, 1 to 7, 40 years after Ephesus, Jesus is actually speaking to this church. And we may look at that later and just how that all correlates together. Generally, people will break up the book into two parts, calling and conduct. You see some things very similar to Colossians. Very similar. So we have position, we have practice, 
we have calling, we have conduct. But I, I've added another one. I've done this. I've added this. So pardon me if uh, I'm breaking the rules here a little bit. But I actually believe there's another area, and I call it conflict. And this is what we heard just before we've put on the armour of God. So while there is our calling and there's our position, our conduct and our practice, and there's also the conflict which is personal. We feel personal attack. We feel it. You'll see there's wealth and worthy, walk and witness, and there is wrestle. And so there's the book broken up pretty much. Down, down the bottom there, and again, in, in it's, we have belief, the identity and benefits of being in Christ, behaviour, ethical exhortations, and the battle in the sense of being prepared. Spiritually, hence why I'm talking spiritually today, spiritual wealth, spiritual walk, spiritual warfare. Sometimes we get confused and we think we're just meant to be maturing. We're not meant to be just maturing. The church should not be uh, really, in a sense, involved in trying to help you mature. But we are responsible to help each other and as a church leadership mature spiritually. How you mature in your own way, uh, practically, naturally, is really on you. And then we can see down there, meditate, instructive and expansive. So that's a snapshot. Uh, we may not, in a sense, use each of these as titles as we go through the book, uh, but that's, that's how it, it's widely understood to be broken down. Said, I've, I've added the conflict part, and I think that's pivotal where Paul is wanting to take the believers. Because why is Paul writing to Ephesians, Ephesians and why are we even concerned and why does it even matter should be the question many uh, apparently uh, a scholar and uh, professor will ask their students why study the book of Ephesians why I learn what was in there for us and so we learn that there's an opportunity where we can grow spiritually our mission and vision help us to do that as well so it's a spiritual book why it holds so many truths of our understanding and our position. It would only make sense that to understand that it, it cannot be separated from spiritual realm or understanding. To be a Christian means we're spiritual. To be a follower of God means that there is something spiritual going on. So why did Paul write the book? Well, everything I have read really suggests there was really no reason for Paul to write this book. Not like Colossians, where there was all these ideas and, and threats to their faith. Not so, so much. There are little pockets of, of, of issues that were going on. But one of the main things that maybe could be why Paul wrote this, why the Holy Spirit uh, wanted this book to be written to the church and circulated. It is believed that it's not just written to the Ephesus church, but to the other churches as well in the area, the Colossi church and that. So it was actually in circulation. It wasn't just geared for one church. Some uh, believe that we, it shouldn't be called Ephesus, but anyway, or Ephesians for that matter, but it is what it is. But we get a sense of why Paul wrote this letter, and it was because there are a lot of distractions in our life. There are a lot of things that go on and a lot of things that we get focused and caught up with. And it really brings us back down to what really matters. So if we want to know what church looks like, 
We want to know what it looks like then and right through to today, we look at the book of Ephesians. We look at the ascension gifting in chapter four. He gave pastors and leaders and teachers and apostles. We, we look at that. And so that's why overall, this book is about ascending. It's about lifting you, helping you to progressively move forward to a higher place in your faith and in your walk. Is that good? Okay, that's good. And my thing just did something really, really weird, which is not really good. Oh, here we go. Now I know where we are. Okay. Have a look again. We've got the 49th book in the Bible, six chapters, 155 verses, 3,099 words, one question, 146 verses of history, one verse fulfilled and eight verses of unfulfilled prophecy and written by Paul in jail around 60 to 62. Depends who you want to talk to on that one. Some have titled this book, The Alps of the New Testament. The believers came from many different belief persuasions and backgrounds and they all came together as a church, just like we are doing today. We've all had different experiences, different journeys, different stories, different narratives. And here we are in itself, is a sense where that can be a miracle, that we can still be friends and still like each other. How can it happen? That's a miracle, that's God. Ephesians will lift you. It'll encourage your heart and your spirit and your faith. It's absolutely, truly an amazing book. It'll bring life and functionality to how we live, how we do this life. And do it spiritually as well as anything. It reminds us that we are not alone, that God is big, that we keep and lift our eyes and our head and look to Jesus. Who is Jesus amongst all the other gods that were on offer? All these deities. What would make Jesus so different? So you and I are part of something much bigger than we can fully realise. The narrative foretells our statement of assurance. What God is doing in your life and in my life. Who Jesus is amongst us. Amongst all the gods that we are surrounded by every day. We also learn that before time, God desired a people to belong to Him, he, who uh, would recognise Him and worship Yahweh as the only true God, and they would pledge their lives to Him. There is so much. Some of my notes don't match up. I like what uh, Joseph Gibson, Gilson says, the book of Ephesians helps the church to look at life in different perspectives, one in which our work is an outgrowth of God's own work of remarking, remaking sorry, the world in a way of, and redeeming it from sin. It helps us understand the relationship between Christ and the church. And we'll speak about this as the mystery. It actually promotes unity by breaking the barriers of inequity and discrimination and equips the church for, the, for spiritual warfare. So the key word today is spiritual, spiritual, that we are spiritual beings. And so we're going to have a look at this together. Okay, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you came to church today. Three people said that, thank you. Obviously they're not happy you're here. Uh, just, just with spiritual, just have a look at this. Uh, Ephesians 
the word spirit is mentioned 18 times, spiritual three times. In Philippians, it's spirit is mentioned six and spiritual once. Colossians, spirit seven, spiritual six. Galatians, spirit 17, spiritual two. So when we look at these prison epistles, there's certainly something that's outstanding in, by way of spirit and spiritual. And this is what Paul really wants to hone in. So we'll look at that. Okay, let's have a look at, and let's read it. Where are we gonna go with this? Just in a few moments, we haven't got long to go. So uh, we're gonna uh, have to uh, look at our, our time and calendar. I was a little uh, naive in thinking I'd get through what I got through. Let's have a look, Ephesians chapter one says, and let me pray. Father, we pray this word will just speak into our hearts what we read today will settle deep within our hearts and our minds and our spirit and that we'll leave today learning something amazing of how good you are, how amazing you are, how big you are, how awesome, how magnificent and we'll also learn how much you love us and value us, how you give us an identity and a calling and a mission and a purpose. So today, Father, help us to be all that you have called us to be in the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said? Name Q. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, praise be to God and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, look at this, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to be the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us uh, in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on, and on earth under Christ. Verse 11, in whom we have, we also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with his purpose and will, in order that we may be who were the first to put our hope in Christ, speaking of the Jews, might be the praise of his glory. And now us, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow, that is deep. That is deep, there is a lot there. Oh, and so we're gonna just spend a few more moments. So bear with me. Be encouraged, friends. Be encouraged, this book that we journey on in the next, over the next number of weeks, it's going to lift you. It's going to encourage you. Unlike, uh, uh, not unlike Paul's many letters, 
He starts off with speaking about grace and peace. I like that. But first he says to the holy saints. That means that we're set apart. We're not set apart from ourselves. We're set apart to serve God. It doesn't mean that we should be isolated or as a church hidden away or enclosed. No, that's never the, bar- the, the, the narrative of the Bible. There is no victory in us hiding and carrying, carrying, carrying away. Our story should amplify the victory that we have, not of the world, but we are in the world, walking, living and practising out each day. And so we are set apart for God. Grace and peace. Every day you and I as, as believers and followers of God must acknowledge that there is grace extended and offered towards us and His peace. Grace, I've mentioned before, is best described, I find, as empowering presence. Everything that I can do is, is an example of His grace on my life and on your life. Whatever we're going through, there is grace, enough grace to get you through the challenge and the battle that you may be facing right now. There's enough grace, friends, because it's His empowering presence personified. Grace is identified as a unique relationship God the Father establishes through Jesus with all believers. It's because grace we can truly experience His peace. Though this Greek word is not the shalom peace, it it is an overtone of the shalom peace that Nerily mentioned a number of weeks ago, speaking of multiple meanings around peace and harmony, wellness, completeness, prosperity, welfare and tranquility. There seems to be an extra word here that I find in this Greek word, arena, and it means rest. And that would make perfect sense as we look at this from the Shalom peace to the New Testament peace, that in Christ we find our rest. We take His grace and we we receive it. We receive that peace. And there's a sense where I can be resting in who God is. I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry so much. I can rest in who He is. In Isaiah 30, 15, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord, it won't be on the screen, I don't think. The Holy One of Israel says, I'm not sure if it is there. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you'd have none of it. We look at verse three, praise be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, every blessing. Look at that, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In other words, there is no spiritual blessing outside of Christ. It is all in and through Jesus Christ. It's not our boast, it is His boast of what God is for us. Isn't it interesting when we look at this, referring to God, He didn't say God, King of the universe, or even the God of Israel, as a typical Jewish blessing typically do. This blessing identifies God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Simply because we cannot think of God separate from Christ ever since the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a game changer. That's an important distinction to be made. 
And Paul begins to share and shout and praise and it's written so different, it's like a drama. It's like a story. It's a sermon just unraveling very different structure in which it's written. Paul shouts out praise to God. Our response to praise is the litmus test of our hearts, how quickly we can draw to that place of intimacy and freely offer up our praise. Praise is the platform for awareness of God's goodness dwelling amongst us. Praise highlights our dependency upon God. When we sing, it's reminding us that I personally, right now, are tuning in to worship you. I need to honour you. I want to love you. I want to sing out my shout and shout out the praises of my God and my King. You are my everything. That's what it means when I worship. May mean something different for you, but that's what it means for me. Paul highlights our dependency upon God. Praise that frees the heart, it releases anointing into our rigid soul. He's blessed us. This is a pivotal point. This is a great thing. We want to be blessed. If I say, put your hand up if you'd like to be blessed, left hand up, right hand, we'll do right because right's right. Right hand blessed, left hand curse. Have a look, quick snapshot. Anyone left hands? No, we don't want that. Who wants that? The Greek word translated blessed means spiritual well-being and prosperity. Again, taking in this understanding of oversight of spirituality. It means promise, blessing, favour. Blessing, this empowering one to prosper, opposite to a curse. A curse really, in a sense, is a withdrawal of a blessing the absence of blessing, the loss of blessing, being robbed of a blessing. In verse three, I love it in the, in the Passion Translation. It's up on the screen. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Paul is saying, don't wait to be blessed because a lot of them were looking forward to the future, the end times. Jesus, come back. No, he's saying right now you need to operate and understand and function in this blessing. Blessing, live it out now. Have you thought about how do we bless God? How do we do that? How does the lesser bless the greater? How does the clay bless the maker? How do we bless God? How can you bless God? Paul's starting to unravel this. He's, he's setting a platform. How do we do it? How do we do it? I'm going to hopefully answer the question for you. Blessing God was best understood as worshipping God. When we pray at a meal time, when we say, Lord, thank you for this meal, bless this meal, we are worshipping God. When we come to someone and say, mate, I hope you're doing well, bless you. 
or I pray for you, can I pray for you? We are worshipping God. That's the way God made us to work and operate. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. When we're giving off this praise, we are learning how to naturally learn how to live and ebb and flow in this place of being recipients of carrying the want to bless others. And by doing so, we worship our Father. We acknowledge God and His supremacy. Worship was identified as prescribed words of blessing when we look at the meals and the greetings and the Jewish folk would do this and many do this when working and entering, leaving places they would pray blessings or even a town. Remember when Jesus sent the disciples out he said you go out two by two and as you go into a town if they don't receive you, shake the dust off. Take the blessing with you. This is the understanding of the culture. I love what Jonathan R. Wilson says, worship is not merely something we present to God, it is our participation in the life of God, in fellowship of the freeness of God. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord on my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. It's so important to understand that to bless God, how do we bless him? By doing what he's asked us to do by being the people he's called us to be, by saying and speaking life and hope and love over people around about us, by acknowledging his presence, being aware of his majesty and learning how to live in that place 24-7. Then we know what it means to worship. And we get to understand that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm going to close just on a few thoughts here. There's no way we can go further for time. I don't know about you, but it's just such an amazing book. And Paul sets this up for the believers. Don't get distracted. There's a lot going on in your city right now. There's a lot going on in our news. We're hearing there's so many stuff going on. There's conspiracy theories left, right and centre of everything. The world's going mad a bit. And we can get distracted. We can, our hearts can fail and sink within us. How are we going to do this, Lord? How are we going to be what you've called us to be? And just maybe the Ephesus church found that same challenge. Just maybe. And Paul's saying, don't think about those things. Don't get caught up with all the headlines and the news and what's happening in America and global and China and all these other conversations that are had. Maybe just stop for a moment, look up and remember where your help comes from. Remember who God is. Remember his promise to you. Surely he's more than enough. You can get through it. Whatever battle you are facing, you can get through it. And you shouldn't be alone in your battle. And you, if anyone's battling here right now with something, you shouldn't be alone. 
And I mean that in the kindest way possible. There should be people who can pray with you and support you and connect you the best way possible. Then we start to discover how spiritual we really are. How magnificent is this calling of God that He called you, He identified you. There's no way we can be the same as we look at this book of Ephesians together. There's no way this church can be the same church after we look at the book of Ephesians together. There's no way that we can feel that the ministry will be the same after we look at the book of Ephesians. There's no way we want to do ministry the way that it's been done. We want to do it the way God wants it to be done. And Ephesians will challenge us, all of us, how to do that. I said a few weeks ago, is what you worship is what you become. It means what we give attention to mostly in our day, what we're preoccupied with mostly in that day. If you watch Netflix for eight hours and you worship the God of Netflix, you watch Stan for nine hours a day and you worship the God of Stan. And dare I say, the Disney Channel. If you watch the Disney Channel for a few hours, maybe too long, you may be worship the God of Disney. So Paul's laying the foundation. Where our time goes, where our energy goes, where our prayer goes, where our focus goes, what we are called to do, this is where it starts. And we start from the ground zero and we're ascending the summit of Ephesians. And what does it mean to be a believer today? What does it mean to be a church today? What does it mean to be a body and a fellowship together today? That's what we learn in Ephesians. I'm gonna close it there. We could go on right up to verse 14. That's enough. The band come together, please, the worship team. I want you to leave today with this knowledge that there's so much more to you than meets the eye. God is already working in you in ways you don't even see. He's calling you, He's wooing you, He's loving on you. And may each of us learn what it means to come back to the heart of worship, the heart of living our lives for Jesus. I wanna be a modern church, a church that reflects Jesus. I don't wanna be a progressive church. I want to be a modern church. I want to be a relevant church. So the wall or the bridge between us and the community is very easily accessed. 
So it's so easy for people to come and know that God loves them. Ephesians was written for that very reason. Don't lose sight of everything that's going on, friend. I'm going to pray for you. And I pray as you just do this journey with us. And if you can't join us each week, you can get the messages online. But I know this, that God will speak to you and me in this journey. I don't know exactly what He's going to say, but He's going to say something that's going to stir our heart. And we're going to fall in love again with the Godhead, with the Father, with the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn how to do that together. So Father, if you just can lift your hands if you like. Wherever you are right now, I pray. Heavenly Father, You've got so much in store for us, so much. And we recognise that we are so positioned in You that we are already in Christ, that we are strong and we are capable. We are warriors for You. We are Your sons and daughters of the Most High. And so Jesus, I ask that whatever trouble, whatever challenge, whatever limitation, whether it be spiritually, physically or emotionally right now today, that You would come and You would heal us and You would make us whole that we can be all that You have called us to be, individually and as a family, as a church. Help us to see You, Jesus, every day. Help us to walk ever closer to You every day than we've ever desired. Because if there's a time that we need to do it, it is now. It is now. So help us. I pray, Lord, for anyone who's, who feels off the track and is not a bit, a bit wayward, a bit not sure what God's saying and doing in their life right now. Whatever circumstance that's got them there, I pray, God, that above all things, that we will know that Your love is in hot pursuit after us. Oh, You love us amazingly. You love us so much. And so may we leave today with encouraged hearts of this amazing love that transforms our very hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Let us sing together.